All right, how we doing, everybody? Gonna have our part two with badass Brian Lund over here. What's up, everybody? What's up? All right, so <laughs> we left off uh, with Brian talking about uh, some of the trials and tribulations of him at age 19. Yeah, so basically what happened was, I mean, we had talked a lot about how I had gotten... Um, just kind of fell off like at age from like between age 30 and like age 37 36 37 I was just in a funk working for working in, inside of corporate America and just just like a lot of guys today they're just stuck behind the stuck behind the desk stuck behind their computer very sedentary no activity at all no activity at all in a lot of cases and it's like DoorDash and Uber Eats and fast food all the time and just, you know, just really got out of shape. What's that know? movie, Wally? You know, like when they sit in those, like. I never saw it. Oh, dude. <laughs> so they're, I think it's Wally. Um, super cute movie. Definitely watch with, you know, like your wife or the kids or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's a, they, they're just in these wheelchairs and then they oh. have like a drink and everything. <laughs> they don't even like move their hands or anything and all, everybody are in them. So, yeah, like, I mean, just, I think it's a lot of, it's pretty commonplace, you know, it's commonplace today to use those kinds of, and I'm not against it. I'm just like, it's just like when you, when that's all you do, it's just, it can tell. You can yeah. tell by looking at somebody that that's just how they live. Yeah. It's, those people don't realize that they're overfueling their car. Their, their yeah. car's full. They don't understand what a calorie is, you know? Right. You got to burn it. Yeah, so anyways, I, I had, we were talking about, like, I had removed a bunch of the, I had removed a bunch of the things that were causing me trouble, you know? Um, one of those, one of those things was, uh, was alcohol. Um, yeah, I remember you, you were saying that it's 22 years, right? 22 yeah, years sober. Yeah, 22 years sober. Um, I removed drugs at that, at that point as well. Because, like I was, I was saying that those things, when it came down to it, the bottom line, the progression of that was always a dead end. It always led me to a dead end. And like, and I, I personally, uh, I don't drink even in moderation today because I know that it's always going to be to lead to a dead end. Mm -hmm. It's always going to be a dead end. No matter, it doesn't matter like if it's in, if it's in moderation. To me, it's poison and all things in moderation except for poison. You've also come to the point where most people try to walk to is like the idea that most people drink to open up or be vulnerable, but you're past that point to where you're, you're not mentally confined to like this rigid form of yourself. Like, so like people are so timid to like dance or do whatever, you know? So I feel like you're one of those people that are, I, I still working on myself, but you're past that point to where you can be vulnerable. You can dance, you can do all the things and talk to people and open up. Uh, without the substance absolutely so, yeah well, like it's, you, it's you funny, drop the crutch it's funny that you mentioned because i freaking love to get out on the dance floor and just yeah dance. yeah <laughs> so but um but no and, and i think too a lot of people use it well you know i i want to it, it helps me have a little more confidence mm -hmm. you know i'm not lacking in that department no like i don't i don't care like i i will be fully confident without the drink you know, and, and I think it's like you said, it's a crutch. People lean on that. Well, because in reality, they're not, it's not that they're not, it's not that they're more confident. It's they don't think as much yeah. when they're inebriated. They're, 
thinking less and they're not using their monkey mind and they're just like kind of going with the flow you know like going with the flow so they're more open to doing dancing and doing different things yeah oh yeah so um yeah i just it it just always always led me to a, a dead end and the thing too is like with drinking and drugs and all that like i don't drink and i don't do drugs now because i know that my impact on others is massive no matter doesn't matter how how many people i interact with it could be massive and so I know that I've got, I know I've got a, I've got a 16-year-old boy. I've got a thir- uh, 14-year-old boy, you know, both in very critical stages of life right now. And I know that even if I drank in moderation, when they get to a party and they, there's drinks there and there's, there's that stuff available, in their mind, it's like, well, you know, I've seen my dad drink before. What's the harm? What's the harm in me having a drink? What's the harm? And... I don't know how they're going to act when they have when they have a drink. I don't know how they're going to be. So I have to do what what I can do to make an impact for them, right? And so it's like I, if I don't want them to drink even in moderation, then I'm not going to drink yeah. in moderation. If I don't want to if I don't want them to drink and see how they will be under the influence of alcohol, then I'm not going to I'm not going to drink, right? So even in moderation, I just there's so many people that look up to you, so many people that, look, that you have an impact on that it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense for you to be that kind of influence for them because you, you don't know how they're going to be when they've had a couple beers in them. You don't know how they're going to be when they've had a couple shots in them. You don't know if they're going to have those couple shots and be like, I love this, uh, and, and down a whole fifth of vodka, right? Like, I just... I just got to the point where I'm like, I'm doing this for the impact that I can have on not only my, my family, but anybody who, who looks up to me. Yeah. I will stand up and say alcohol is bad. I will take a stand and say drugs are bad. I will take a stand and say alcohol is a dead end. It's, it has no use. It has no, no point at all. I agree. I feel like it's one of those things that was a chapter in humanity when there wasn't potable water. Uh, and now we've we've uh, evolved past it but people can't evolve past it because look if you look at alcohol through history the the majority of what it did was cause war i mean it helped people be able to absorb water but now the alcohol content so much higher because i went to i went to college for winemaking that's like what i did and um there was a lot that for the history of that and like so non-potable water layout it had its place but now people are still holding on to that and we a lot of people can't evolve past that it's fascinating yeah, that's that's actually really fascinating stuff. Uh, I was not even aware of that. I mean, they they used it so that they could drink water. I mean, it yeah, purified. Yeah, there was not not everybody just did it for that, but yeah, it was like okay. a way that they could absorb water because they didn't have potable water back then. There's no filtration. You can't drink every little bit of water. Yeah. Um, and for some cultures, some cultures, I should say, you know, like that had dry areas, it was a way that they could have a liquid to hydrate. And but it was a lower some of it, and then there was ergot in some of it too, which is a is a psychedelic. So like they would drink that, and then they would have these visions and these quests and things like that. And they, so they were basically tripping. Interesting. It wasn't just like a high because now it's all about like the highest level of THC, the highest level of this. The highest, so yeah. like the healing properties of like the the weed in the seventies and sixties, or the healing properties of this alcohol that was handmade, not by machines and different things like that. It had its place, but it's not the same thing anymore either. You know, so yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I I agree with you. I don't think we need any of that anymore. But I mean, like. 
makes a little sense for some of them if you're like, you know, you live in a fucking cave or somewhere and it's snowing <laughs> and you're like, Dude. I'm gonna take a little <laughs> bit of this rice wine or whatever, you know. But so, so the thing, dude, was like, okay, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not drinking, I'm not doing drugs because of the impact that I have on others. I think, I think the rising generation, I think the up and comers need, I think they need strong influences that have taken a stand against things that cause people harm. Bottom line, like that's. That's a belief that I have, and so I'm living that. I'm living that. I'm living that. Yeah, hundred percent. And there's so many people out there that are taking like high levels of testosterone at an early age, and we have all these influencers that are vaping and doing all these things. I think now too in culture, people are, I, I like okay with identifying with uh, their trauma, but then they but they identify with it rather than push through it. Because I've really? seen girls that have like. A chemical composition on their arm, and I'm like, "Is that serotonin?" And she's the girl's like, "Yeah, it's serotonin because I have depression and I have low serotonin, so I have this as a symbol." And I'm like, "No, that's not how that works. You can work through that." <laughs> so I think we are in that that the we're on the way out of escapism, um, and then we're into well. Unfortunately, there's like iPhones. You know, you're gonna find different forms of it. But I I, I agree. There needs to be more people out there like ourselves that don't drink, that don't do the substances that have had experiences with them. So you can give them the good and the bad experiences. Like, yeah, we had some fun, but I fell off a cliff backwards and exactly. I don't want you to do that. And I don't want you to drive or do anything else like that. Cause you know, but it's a tendency when you're, when your prefrontal cortex isn't all the way developed yeah. until 25, you have these, especially as a male, you have these situations where you're just like, Oh man, I'm thinking with this bad boy and not here. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hydrating the wrong head. Yeah, so I, I mean, I fortunately I was able to get out of that, um, and it, and it wasn't, I mean, I went to, I had a, a, an interesting experience at that time, that really caused me to, that really caused me to get out of that, um, and it was, I had taken it all the way past this point where it was, you know, considered fun. I mean, I, like I had talked about, I had fallen off the cliff backward. Um, I was highly paranoid at this time. Um, I was just really in a bad spot. And and you also seem like the type of person like myself that is an extremist. Like if you go into oh, yeah. something, it's it's one hundred percent. Yeah, it's one hundred percent. Like unfortunately, the good and the bad. Like yeah, and, and, and it's like there's there's a there's a percentage of people that are like that. There's a percentage of the people that are like that. And so these people that these people that have massive influences, like that that can really impact people. Um, gosh, if they, if they're drinking, if they're doing drugs, what does that do to the people that they have an influence on? Like the guy on stage, like, like the guy on stage that's, that's speaking to a hundred thousand people, you know, and then, um, you know, and, and he's, and then he goes off stage and he, and like, or, or on his social media, it shows him, it shows him drinking. Like, that's just, that's just. All of those people that are impacted, the ten percent, the ten percent that this that are massively negatively affected by alcohol, um, you know, when they when they see him, who they look up to, who they admire, who um, who they're influenced by, when they see him take a drink, and it's like, okay, well, I can drink as well. Look at him; he's drinking. I can drink too. And it's like, well, ten percent of those people get completely fucked 
when they drink. And look at and look what happens to them when they drink, you know? So for me, it's like, you know what? Better to just not do it at all. Exactly. Better to just be past it. That's how I even feel with caffeine and different things is because then no matter what, you you need this extra tool that's always only going to... That's why I stopped wearing headphones. That's why I don't listen to music at the gym because the day your headphones die, your motivation does too. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that is pretty freaking... That's pretty freaking beast. Like I, you know, yeah, I, and I don't get me wrong. I'm not to that point yet. Oh, I wasn't at that point today. <laughs> You're listening to people cough and different things like that. There's the one guy. He's really nice, but he's sick or something today, and he's with this group of friends just coughing out into the air. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> if I'm sick, I go to the gym sometimes too. But I put myself into a corner and yeah. I try to be, I try to be responsible. Yeah. Like maybe if I'm not like dying, crawling around on the ground, I might not go because I think of that 90 year old lady that's at the gym. But you know what I mean? It's just yeah. like. But yeah, it's, it, it, it's, I think there's too many instruments that are overused yeah. to find motivation and or to, if you don't have it, then you can't do the thing. You know, right. like I get, like if you don't have a car, maybe you're not going to go to drive to California. You know, you're not walking there. That's understandable. But like, <laughs> I can't go to the gym. My headphones are dead or like, oh, I don't have any more caffeine. So like, yeah. I'm just going to skip today, you know, or but right. like, that's how I feel too. It's like, there's so many things out there that. You don't even realize you have a crutch on if you don't have. Oh, yeah. But then there's also things that save you. Like if me and you didn't go to the gym in the morning, our day would be off. You know? Oh, yeah. And it's yeah, hard. Totally. Like we do that sometimes and totally. then we're like, I need something. I need to get my blood going. My body don't like this. <laughs> exactly. That's, we're pleasure monkeys. We have patterns. Yeah. Like, that's why I always say to implement good patterns instead of bad. So, but yeah, this this all happened. So when I when I finally put an end to... When I finally put an end to the drinking and the drugs, like and and like I had done, I had done pretty much everything. Fortunately, I never got involved in heroin. Like that's that's one thing that uh, I just am so grateful that I never got involved with because I know how addictive my personality can be, and so I'm just that that I've seen take people straight to the gutter mm -hmm. and and end their life and just cause massive massively horrible situations but everything else you know i had done everything done everything and um and anyways uh yeah so at age 19 i was just the lowest point that i've ever been lowest point i'd ever been you know like i had i didn't have anyone that i was accountable to um i had very little responsibility i had just gotten out of high school barely graduated um and I was just in this funk. Like I was, I was at this time, I had no idea what I was going to do. Similar to a lot of teenagers, right? Similar to a lot of people at this age. Um, I, you know, you get done with high school and the whole world opens up and you're like, oh, um, yeah, the world is a, a lot bigger place than, than I was, you know, than I, than I knew, right? And so I didn't know what, what I wanted to do. I was just in this rut. Like, I was stuck. I was stuck. I, I had th thought about going to the Marines. I had actually been meeting with a Marines recruiter. Um, and I was going to go to the Marines. Um, and uh, so I had, I had talked with them a lot. I had gotten their literature. I had, I had uh, taken their aptitude tests. And I was, like, pretty close to pulling the trigger and, and going to the Marines. Um, and... Um, and uh, at this point, so I had, I had, I was on and off trying to get sober, right? I was on and off, on and off, on and off, on and off. 
And this lasted for probably three months where I was just trying to get sober. Um, and there was one night at this point I had been, I had been sober for like probably four days or so. And I lived at home, lived with my mom, um, and, uh, my, my older brother. And at this time, and so my room was an add on to the house. It was kind of like a, just kind of like a Jimmy rigged add on to the house. Um, yeah, like a sunroom. <laughs> it was Jimmy rigged yeah. add-on to the house. And, um, and I had my own private entry through the back. I mean, I came and went as I pleased. And like I said, I was the youngest of 10 kids. Um, and I think my mom was just praying, you know, hopefully he turns out okay. Like, but there wasn't really a lot of accountability. I don't blame my mom for anything. Now she didn't have enough gas in the tank for herself. It yeah, like. it was just she did what she my did. mom. My mom was an absolute saint. Just did everything she possibly could um, with in the circumstance that she was in. But uh, but yeah, she was yeah just maybe a little tired, a little you know trying to just trying to do what she could to survive in survival mode really. So um, I had come home one night again, probably three three days, three or four days sober. Uh, and it was, I got home really late that night and the, um, and <clears throat> going into the house. So you'd go in, you, you could enter the, this particular room, this add on room from three directions, three different directions. There was the, the entrance from the garage. There was the entrance from the backyard, which is the one that I always came and went through. And then you'd go down the stairs and you could go down into the entry, into the basement of the house. Um, and so there's those three different entries. And when you go down the stairs into the entry, into the basement of the house, there was like this, um, there was like this banister, like this handrail and like a little ledge that, you know, was the, the handrail was on. And I, I, like I said, I came home that night and, um, and I was just the worst place I had ever been. Really the worst place I had ever been. Um, and I sat down on the stairs um, that were going into the house, into the basement. And, um, and I just had my, my head in my hands. And I was just, just had my head in my hands. Um, just not knowing what to do. And, um, and... I just was on the verge of breakdown, really. Um, and I, I lifted my head up out of my hands, and I looked at the, the, the kind of landing where the handrail was. There was a little bit of a ledge there. And I saw, I saw this paperwork from the Marines that... I had, you know, had had there, and there was this big headline on there, um, and uh, it said, what are you going to do with your life? And, uh, and then there was this little dinky shaving mirror that was also on this ledge that just happened to be there. I thought my mom had set this up. <laughs> Honestly, I thought my mom would like, had set this up or something, but that's just the state that I was in at that time. Um, and I, uh, I read that headline, what are you going to do with your life? And I just happened to glance over into the mirror 
and uh, I saw myself in the mirror and I just looked at myself and uh, it was like I can't describe it any other way dude it was like it was like a bolt of lightning hit me dude it was just like it felt like that higher power was fishing me out of a really bad spot and uh, just lifting me out of, of a bad situation, you know, and letting me know that there was more to my life than what I had been living. And that moment, man, that moment was just like, it was electric. It was electric. And it was at that time I said, okay, I'm done. I'm done with drugs and alcohol. And I haven't taken a drink or a drug since then. And uh, my life's, like everything good in my life, I can attribute back to decisions that I made at that point. Everything good in my life. I can attribute to that decision, those decisions right then, where I changed course. You took the stairs instead of the elevator. Yeah. It takes a while, but, you know, <laughs> like, it's not the fast track, and I think that's the best way to go about it. So, we've talked about um, your childhood, we've talked about you being some, you know, like, moving into a, your adulthood and how uh, things came to be. So... While we're on this topic of, I call these portals. It's when you, you jump into that portal and you're nervous, you're scared, you have a lot of these fears. Right on the other side of the portal are those five to ten opportunities that you've been waiting for and you couldn't figure out how to do the thing. You know, like for me, like setting up square or doing something simple like that. You think it's simple, but it's just something that there's a roadblock there. And then th right right when you do it, then all of a sudden the, the things manifest. So maybe we could talk about some of the times where you felt like, because we always have those lows. You need a low to feel a high. Yeah. And like you were saying, uh, to, to uh, take that jolt of electricity to magnify you to the next level. You know, like, so what are some of the things over the course of time? So we'll, we'll fast track 19, 20, 21. So what are some of the trials and tribulations yeah. that you went, that you can remember that you've gone through from 19 on that uh, maybe were fears that most of us will have, uh, but you don't like you. If you wouldn't have done that thing, then you wouldn't have had the. You wouldn't have jumped through that portal to have success on the other side of that. Yeah. So this this is a great this is a great segue because like I at that point uh, I had made that decision and I was gonna I was gonna go into the Marines. Um, what what changed your mind on that? So basically, what happened was I um, I. I, I had talked to my brother. My brother was just four years older than me, and there was some things that uh, that he had he had said to me um, that uh, really helped me along the way. Uh, really, actually helped me start to get sober. Um, and like some conversations that I had with him that basically, you know, um, uh, helped me get on this other track. And uh, so. 
he one of the things that he said he's like man don't don't get into the don't get into the military like it's gonna be it's gonna be um he 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 encouraged me not to and I, and i i can see why you know i he's i was his little brother he didn't want me you know i would have been in gosh looking back i would have been in uh i would have been in iraq i would have been in same you know some of these I was that close multiple times. Some of these wars and stuff, and, and I can see why he didn't want me joining, you know. So he, <clears throat> anyways, he advised me against it. But at that at that time, I uh, I went on a service mission for my church. So it was like a year and a half removed from the time that I about a year that I removed that I had um, uh, stopped all of the drugs and alcohol and stuff. And then about a year later, so I, I went in hardcore prep mode. Like I went in hardcore preparation mode and I went and served a mission for my church. Um, yeah, I think those are great too, man. Like anything that's a rite of passage or a hero's journey, I, I think that's huge. No, like, it, was, it was fantastic. I think, like, I think every teen needs something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Maybe not the military, maybe not an LDS mission, but something like that. Peace Corps, something. Yeah. For me, moving to Utah and leaving my whole family and all my friends, you know, like, except for two. <laughs> for sure. You know? So, yeah, like I, uh, I, went, and served, I went and served this mission for my church. Um, and, uh, and then I got back and, and that, that right there, that in itself was a crucible event, just crucible event. I mean, um, come wanting to come home day after day after day, just being plagued with these thoughts of, you know, how hard it is wanting to come home. Um, and then, um, what were some of your hardest uh, discomforts at, when you got out there? Yeah, so basically it was in Central America. And so I was in Guatemala. It was just completely different from home, you know, dirt, dirt floors. Like it was shanty dwellings. Um, we, we spent a lot of time um, with people that or it, It's a third world country, you know, so it was with a lot of... I don't know if it's considered third world now, but at the time it was considered third world. Um, just very different living standards, right? Um, and uh, probably a great eye opener. Oh yeah, massive oh, eye opener, huge eye opener. So, so, and I was, I got sick. You know, I, I was, was gonna ask if you from eating out there. And yeah, stuff like the that. water. Yeah. I was, I was sick for uh, a good, a good period of time while I was out there. Especially when I first got there, I just was was throwing up and just both coming both end, coming out both ends it was just really sick not the type of fountain you wanted to be <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> so those those things were very really hard obviously um but uh you know i i had thought about at that time i was like you know i was really really trying to connect with with that higher power who i believe is god uh really trying to connect and really trying to see myself down the road, really trying to see what I wanted my my future self to be, my future self to look like. Uh, and I thought about at this during those hardest times, during those hardest days, uh, I thought about um, my kids that I would eventually have. Oh, I, yeah, I was about to say, I'm like, dang, when did you start, sir? <laughs> You know, I, I thought about my kids that I would eventually have and uh, how much I 
wanted to be uh, show them that their dad was able to do hard things. Um, show them that their dad was able to overcome and that their dad wasn't a quitter. That was a massive driving motivator. You know, the future, the thought of my future kids. The power of intention, right? And like the subconscious blueprint of like you having, you know, like you being able to visualize that. I yeah. feel like that's one of those things that a lot of people miss in their life is like, and I get to that sometimes that too is like, what's the point? Like if people have the what's the point mindset, I think a lot of that is because they can't envision they don't have this thing in front of them. For you, the carrot was probably creating a family. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was a massive driving factor to be able to look down the road and have a long term perspective, and and be able to give them the story of their dad didn't quit and. That was a, like I said, that was a massive motivating factor is, is giving them, um, giving them an example. Speaking of examples, while we're still in the area, um, what are some of the lessons you learned from the culture? Oh yeah. In Guatemala. Dude. So the big thing about these people in Central America, oh yeah. The big thing about these people in Central America is that they are so humble, so humble, and so grateful. And they don't have much. They don't have anything. Compared to first world countries, compared to America, these guys don't have anything. And yet, they were some of the happiest people I had ever met. Some of the happiest people I had ever met. But again, so humble and just so grateful and just gracious. I mean, they would invite you, they would invite you in and give you the only food that they have, offer you the only food that they have. <laughs> so yeah, the, the culture of the people just, it was just amazing. Absolutely incredible. That, that made me realize why you are the way you are and why you are so happy. One of the reasons for you being as happy and as open as you are is a lot of my friends that have experienced third world countries or second world or whatever, you know, depending on uh, the poverty line there, um, they are probably some of the most openly loving people that I know. Um, I had some friends that, a friend, two friends, uh, that did a, a, a mission in the Philippines and they were like, have you ever taken a shower in a bucket? Of dirty water. <laughs> I'm true, like, That's true. But, you know, like, yeah, and it, it makes sense that you, I mean, I'm sure you have your times where you want to reach in and just gently strangle people's souls. <laughs> um, I know I have those days, but you have that. To, I'm sure there's something in there that makes you fall back to that and be like, well, I have all these great things. Like, yeah. I'm not sick. I'm not drinking oh, yeah. terrible water. I'm not. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, we, we showered out of a, we bathed out of a bucket. Yeah. Probably half the time I was there, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's cool. I mean, it was it was a crucible event, but like you said, absolutely rite of passage, absolutely um, something that made me better, something that I was able to go and, and understand the power of service, understand the power, the power that of what it is when we put other people ahead of our own, 
other people's needs ahead of our own. Um, that's just powerful, like principles that aren't that will never change. They don't change. So, um, you know, learning learning about what it is to you know be selfless, and I'm still working on that. You know, there's just it's just something that is not not ever going to change. You know. Yeah, it's an interesting puzzle box to know how much you can give to yourself without being selfish and how much you can give to the people um, around you as well. Oh, and, yeah. You know, it's like, and there's that polarity. It's hard some, some days to like find the balancing point. You're running back and forth on that emotional uh, teeter-totter, you know, trying to find the middle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a hard slack line. It feels real thin sometimes. Like you're walking <laughs> on dental floss. Oh, for sure. For sure. So that was, uh, so I'm guessing so that was, was 1920. Yeah. So 20, so got back when I was, so left when I was, um, 20, got back when I was 22. Um, and then, uh, yeah, got, got married, um, uh, met my wife and we got married and, and, uh, and then that's when, uh, the weight gain started. So that's, yeah, that's when everything started to really go downhill. And I think it is, I think that's the way for a lot of men is like, you know they're not they're not looking to attract a mate they're not looking to um you know they're not looking to they're focused on different things right they're they're much more focused on now providing for their family providing for their kids um being able to earn an income being able to you know make money obviously and just do do different things so yeah, for me at that time, it was just a slow backward progression or a slow backward movement to um, to being completely out of shape. And then you had that lightning bolt hit you again, too, when you talked to the doctor. Yeah, remember that, that the last was, time. That was massive. Yeah. Now, how have you been riding the lightning uh, since that time moving forward? And uh, what are some of the trials and tribulations you faced probably since then? Yeah, so I would say the biggest the biggest thing is, um, you know, I think overcoming overcoming again, getting back to like trying to get over our own my own selfish wants and my own selfish desires, like doing doing only what. I want, I know, will make me lose. I know it'll make me lose. And so I, I know, and I know when I put other people's needs above my own, I win. I win. So it's a, that's, been, that's been one of the trials, or that's been one of the struggles, is, is keeping at the forefront of my mind that we are here to serve others and, and help other people become better help other other people elevate past their problems and you know we're all on this we're all on this path and you know as as much as we get beat up on this path it's for our good it's for our good and it's for us to help it's for us to help others and so i think that uh for me anyways it's like remembering that and keeping that for at the forefront of my mind that it doesn't it's not about what i want it's not about what i want it's about what i can it's about how i can 
help others and how I can bring other people to a better place. What are the, some of the things that you've learned recently from your uh, new career into coaching? Newer career. Maybe you've been doing it for a long time, but like online coaching. Yeah. So been coaching, been coaching now for uh, about 16 months. And like just the fitness, the fitness and the, or the, the training and the nutrition. Dude, it's just a game changer. It's just a game changer. So a lot of times what, what will happen is when people start to, when people start to get their training and their nutrition more dialed, they just get on a different, they get on a different, a different plane. Like they just get, they feel much better about themselves. And it doesn't even, it's not even that they're done or they've lost all the weight yet or they've, you know, gotten jacked or they've got a six pack or any of that. It's like when they do the day that, that's going to lead them to the direction, the, the destination that they want to go, when they do the day, they're, they feel good. They feel good. And so it's like, that's one of the big things that I've learned is, is you, you really, it's not about, it's not about the destination. It's not about the final end. It's about doing the things today that will, that will make you, uh, in tune or aligned with that destination that you want to be at. Have you heard the, have you heard the quote, uh, it says, uh, a lot of people that suffer from depression live in the past. A lot of people that suffer from anxiety live in the future. And the people that are uh, in the now are usually the ones that are present. Yeah. Dude, that's, that's freaking... I, I learned a lot about that, you know? I learned a lot about that dealing with um, some of my past trauma and all that, all that mm-hmm. stuff that happened when I was a kid. You know, dealing through all of that. Um, I lived a while. I lived a long time in the, in the past bringing all of that up. And, you know, without realizing it, yeah, I could see how it was causing me a lot of issues. It's hard to when you're trying to work for yourself and you're building a brand and you're doing this and you're doing that. And, and then, uh, like, on that aspect of things, you know, it's all you. If you don't have enough faith in yourself, that can be really difficult. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or the process. Sometimes it's not even faith in yourself anymore. It's faith in the process and you see the journey. You have faith in the journey. For sure. Yeah, for sure. So... That was like, I mean, I went, I went through all of the, all of the trauma that I had and I've had a lot of help from, from coaches. You know, I, I did a lot of therapy last year, um, worked with, worked with, um, three different therapists and then I, I worked with a bunch of coaches. So, uh, last year it was like, last year I went through a lot of, um, it was my 40th year, you know, like I turned 40 last year. And it was just, it was a, it was a process of, of, uh, discovery. Really. I found for me personally, I found that the the therapists that I worked with anyways, I, I tried multiple different therapists, but it was always about magnifying the problem. It was all about magnifying the, the problems. And it felt like they just kept, yeah, it, I never really felt like I got anywhere with therapists. I just. I didn't really, I didn't really feel like I got what I was looking for, uh, which was to um, remove the things that were holding me back. You know, it just kept like it felt like those things were getting bigger. And so, but when I when I started working with coaches, it was like it was more about the solution. 
And it was more about removing the things that were holding me down, removing the thing, the, the barriers and, uh, life changing, absolutely life changing. What happened when I started working with coaches, you know, just incredible. And so I was like, okay, well I took all of this stuff that helped me have that, that removed so many of the things that were, that had caused me issue for my entire life. And, um, I said, this is, this is exciting. This is exciting to me. Seeing, seeing how I went from, um, seeing how I went from just fat, out of shape, just down in the dumps, like the worst, worst position, worst state that I've ever been addicted to, addicted to porn, addicted to like procrastination, addicted to just laziness and all of this, um, TV and, and playing on my phone, games on my phone, all this, um, to now having a daily process where those things don't plague me anymore. Mm -hmm. And now you're at a point that you probably, you in your thirties probably never thought you were going to be or getting to. Oh yeah. Never thought I'd be. So dude, freedom from, freedom from porn and all that, dude, it's life changing. Absolutely life changing game changer um and just removing all of the skeletons from my closet dude just getting everything out um and being completely honest with my wife and everything all of that dude absolutely life-changing yeah it's like a weight vest huh? a weight oh, vest, totally. like you're wearing a full weight suit while being shackled and they slowly start coming off and you're like oh what is this <laughs> oh i like this so much more <laughs> so much more dude so much more and so yeah, like it's been incredible, you know, it's been incredible helping people, helping. I work with a lot of dads, right? I work with dads and I work with guys that are typically in their 40s that are in 50s. Some some are a little older, but guys that are just in a position where they're primed to um, make the last half of their life the absolute best years of their life, you know. So it's been uh, it's been incredible, you know, just working with working with guys that, that, uh, that I can help. You know? 100%. And it's cool too, when people track you down, you know, or like there's an alignment where like you meet somebody and it's, you know, it's for a reason. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's always for a reason, but some people are more so pawns and on your chessboard than they are, you know, crucial players, but you meet, you meet people for a reason. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And those people that come into your life, at particular times that can help you get to the point, the the next point that you need to be at, they're blessings, man. They're blessings. And as we, as we give effort and as we try and progress and as we try and try and do the right thing, those people just start to sprout, sprout up, you know? And so I hope that I can be that person for someone else you which you are tons of people and mm-hmm. that number will just keep growing and growing for sure um yeah it's awesome to be able to ripple other people's pawns and then not on and, and not just on top of that but then also having the little hand shovel or whatever the big shovel and being able to start making uh start making pathways for pawns to connect you know so then it's just a bigger body of water absolutely <laughs> there's more room there's more places to be able to spread that yeah that's but, a cool analogy absolutely 
Yeah. But yeah, it's because you know, like it's cool to be able to ripple ponds, but sometimes those ponds start shrinking because of different things. But if you can connect all the bodies of water together in some way or another, then there's more free flowing water, and everybody, everybody's pond gets a little bigger. Everybody benefits. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I'm just excited, man. Like I just think that uh, I just think that this is this is a a good way to live. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think definitely one of the big going to be one of the biggest chapters uh, in your life. Oh, probably. for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I just I can't wait, dude. Like, I see what happened over the last, over these last eighteen months, mm-hmm. over the last couple years, and I look down ten years, and I'm just like, ten years down the road, it's it's gonna be. I mean, I just even five, two, three, five. I'm just I'm excited to be where I'm at now, but I'm just I'm just flabbergasted when I look down the road a little bit. You know? It's huge, and so what? What are some things uh, that you would you would like to give to the viewers other than your story? Yeah. Um, so i I post um, I post my workout every day. I post all of my I post all of my if if you're looking for basically if you're looking to get in shape, come and come and train with me. Come and let's let's get you right. So, um, the, the biggest thing, the first thing for me anyways, was, was to get in shape. When I started getting in shape, everything changed. Um, and so if you are at a point where you're depressed or anxious or having any, really any relationship problems, there's a lot of things that can be fixed by making an effort to get in shape. And, uh, so if you're in that, in that spot, come, come and hit me up. Let's let's train together. Let's let I'll coach you. I'll get you right. Um, you can find me at Brian BrianThomasLund.com and at BrianThomasLund on on IG and um, and same thing on YouTube. So yeah, I just I I want to I want to be of service in any way I can. Hundred percent. And he's a great dude in person. He's a lot of fun. I'll put all that stuff in the show notes, and then we'll make sure to. Uh, get him on again. We'll definitely have some more weekly podcasts, but we'll go over topics, topics and different things like that. Now that you have a better idea of who this man that rides the lightning is. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jay. Yeah. All right. Have a great one, everybody. I believe in each and every one of you. Just remember to believe in yourself. As much as you work out, you must work in. This is Justin, and let's try to stay out of our minds.